and welcome to Studio RC, a weekly encouragement of your recovery and your faith. My name is Pastor Max. I am an alcoholic, and I am sober today only by the grace of God and the fellowship of the program as it is contained in the recovery literature. We've do been doing a, a mini uh, Lenten Easter series, and uh, this will conclude our series, a little three-part series, and um, and just how we can prepare and, and interact with Easter this year. I was reading through a Lenten devotional, and one of the titles really, it, it kind of seemed interesting. And it's, the title was The Sobriety of Forever. Now, what was interesting about The Sobriety of Forever is that um, I like it had nothing to do with sobriety. I was a little disappointed. But I liked the title enough that I am going to still use the sobriety of forever. And we're going to utilize that as um, the, the title for today, the sobriety of for, forever. And I'm going to introduce another term. And interestingly, the term um, is another foreign language. I, 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 I gave you a German term initially. Um, and... And now I'm going to give a Latin term. And it's, it's an interesting concept. It's called memento mori. Momenta, memento mori. And it means that it's Latin for remember that you must die. It's the, the symbolic reminder of the inevitability of death. Remember that you must die. And I think as we're coming out of, we're, we're celebrating Easter and, and, and the resurrection and, and those things, it's important for us to remember, much like Jesus, that we are, that we must, that we have to remember that we have to die and that ultimately that we will be resurrected in the same way Jesus was because of Jesus. But I think as a culture, we don't do a great job with death, with funerals. Um, a great indicator is we call middle age 50. Most people do not live to be 100. Um, most, as, as, as they sometimes put the 100-year-old on the back of those smucker jars and everyone celebrates, um, that's not middle ages. We, well, the average lifespan is somewhere between 72 and 74, and some live longer, some live shorter. Um, but middle age would probably be 35. Um, or the 35 to 40 is really middle age. I'm not trying to depress anyone, but we've shifted it all the way to 50 or our 50s because, again, we don't want to talk about death or we struggle with the concept that we're going to die. I'm very fortunate. I have two older parents. I have a, a father who just turned 89 and a, uh, a mom who is also in her mid-80s. And one of the things I think is, as we think of living uh, to an older age, that we forget sometimes is that um, if we live to an older age, that to live longer than other people, you're going to have to bury other people. And compared to the alternative, it's, it's better. But I think we, we take for granted or don't think about the emotional toll it takes. I've seen the emotional toll on my parents that as, as peers, as loved ones pass away, the weight of that becomes greater. I don't think that we always think about that. And I even think about our culture in regards to funerals. Um, 
I am. I have the the opportunity to do many funerals. My wife happens to be a funeral director, and as a pastor, I get called in to do funerals. Um, and it's really interesting. You have someone in their 80s or 90s, and not many people show up. You, you have you know the relatives, the family, but most of the time they've outlived their siblings, their parents, um, and they're there with a sort of a small group that is sad, but like there's a a sense of joy that they lived a good life, you know, a a long life. Um, I've found that funerals that are well attended, at least in in our part of the world, in in our culture, means that someone probably died tragically. They They died before their times. Rarely do we have, you know, people streaming in unless you're someone like Billy Graham, who lived this incredible life and he gets a big funeral. Most people, um, if you have a big funeral, it's because you've died tragically. And I I think of the people who, um, in other cultures, if the elder of the the village passed away, um, one of the oldest people in the village died, the entire village would come. Uh, Today, in our culture, that's not really... That's not our culture. And I think that's a little bit has to do with that aversion to death. And so um, as both people who have been given that spiritual awakening and as people of faith who have been born again, we have this second chance to live life to the fullest. And by living life to the fullest, we get the opportunity to kind of do it again. We almost get a a do-over to really embrace life. And by doing that, sometimes... We, we, we ignore death. Um, when we go to a funeral or a memorial service, I can't help but think um, as, as we go there with our loved ones, funerals, what they do is it stirs in us the very questions about the meaning and purpose of life. Unlike any other event, when you're at a funeral and you see somebody that you know who's passed away, it, 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 we have the opportunity when we stand before death, we, we're awed. We're mystified, we're wounded, but we're certainly humbled. We realize that we are finite, and we become aware of the infinite. By us even asking the question, what's in store for us after death? Like, we, we instinctively and internally know that there's more than simply a casket or an urn. So we have this concept, memento Mori, the remember that you must die, that that will come for you as well. And so that we want to live life to the fullest so that we can truly embrace that. And so I think the title, The Sobriety of Forever, what the, the, the Lenten author was talking about was the opportunity to truly look at what life could be like. The title of the sobriety of forever. As as we think about this, listen to this scripture from 2 Corinthians. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. One of the things as people of faith is we have eternity. And so maybe that helps us to come to have this proper understanding of death. That that understanding of death is undoubtedly linked 
to our understanding of God and heaven and the Bible and eternity, it just, it takes a lot of maybe for us to search to get to the the nitty gritty of what that means in our lives, how to embrace, how to memento mori um, that we must die. What does that mean? How do we live this life? The fact is that people die. Dreams die. Love dies. Habits die. Animals and pets die. Plants die. Even the main character dies. Death is essential. As the warrior and gladiator says, death smiles at us. On wedding days, the preacher often says, till death do us part. And lovers repeat that as their vow. Death plays a major role in every aspect of our life. So why is it such a profound struggle for humanity or for us to come to grips with memento mori, that inevitability of our death? What's ironic, however, is that while we may flee from the reality of our own mortality, we seem as a people, as a culture, to be obsessed with death. (laughs) We're captivated by Stories of serial killers and podcasts and, and you know, uh, assassins and vampires and zombies and wars and anything to do with death, whether it's in a book or on a screen or a podcast, we're hooked. We, we want to know more. A murder in our building, you know, uh, murder with my husband, all, all, these, all these different things that we, we hear in there. Every, there's this morbid curiosity that fuels this this deep-seated subconscious impulse to to search for answers about death and to find find out about death. But the paradox lies in the fact that if the conversation is about our own death or that of someone we love, we dodge the subject. If it's someone else's death, we're talking about it. We, We can't look away. But, you know, if we we start to talk about, you know, I, I know I have family members who won't write a will because, you know, they, they're not really thinking or concerned or even want to, quote, jinx death. They don't want to bring it forth. If they, It's like if we speak it, we're going to speak it into existence. Um, I think that sometimes people interact with death that way. But the truth is we've been asking the same questions since the beginning of time, sort of that purpose of life. Now, what's interesting, the wealthier a community is, and as a society, our community is pretty wealthy, our country is pretty wealthy, the more material possessions we have, the more we're able to distract ourselves from the things we fear. Um, Preacher and theologian Charles Spurgeon, and I love a lot of his stuff, he gave this sermon example of a of a man who toured this luxurious home of a friend. And the man remarked, these are the kinds of things that make it hard to die. When we have plentiful resources, um, we can alleviate, or at at a minimum, we can sort of uh, avoid the harsh realities of life. When we have no immediate needs, we have 
no will to investigate deeper things. And the, the, the last thing we want to do is engage with a concept like memento uh, mori. Why be reminded of the one thing we can't resolve? And as we're, we're discussing this, I can't help but think of, as we investigate deeper, isn't that what the fourth step is? As we take that deeper dive, that personal inventory of ourselves, and we take a look at who we are, we get an honest appraisal, a sober understanding of who we are. Now, the reason that we do that, and maybe people who aren't addicts and alcoholics aren't as willing to do it, is because we have a certain desperation that we know. The book tells us if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking or drugs. We then therefore may die, and we don't want to die. And so we know that that's how critical doing that inventory is. By looking at that inventory, it actually gives us life by having a sober understanding which is interesting because we want to have that same sober understanding of both life and of death, of ourselves and the part we play in it. We tell ourselves it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's who we are on the inside. If the health and beauty industry is any indication of where our real values are, then those who have focused a bit more time on the inside, they're way behind. Physical health is is certainly, it's important. This is the temple of God. However, when our physical health becomes our identity, we start to lose sight of heaven. There's no subject more threatening than death to someone who's terrified of aging. We don't even want to talk about it. Death ultimately finds each of us. Despite all of our efforts, mortality knocks on the door. Our eyes dim, our hair thins, our waist thickens, our muscles shrink a bit, we sag more, we sleep less, we remember not as much. As we age, we feel the temperature drop and the, the air pressure increases and we hear the leaves quake as the tempest called death looms on the horizon. The psalmist described this in Psalm 116.3. It says, the anguish of the grave, writing of the, the great and incomprehensible abyss, where the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. So take heart. Our problem isn't that we experience fear in light of death. Everyone does. The potential for harm and good is in how we respond to this fear, which is, is the story of recovery. What are we going to do with those things that are bracketed with fear behind them? A healthy view of even things like death can be very helpful in the way we, we view life and live life. If you understand that life is limited and therefore valuable, you have the certain hope of, of living your life. If you have no hope as an addict or an alcoholic, you don't care whether you live or die. When, when everything is dark, you don't care what the outcome of the evening is. 
Whereas if you have hope, there's this desire that maybe this time, maybe maybe I, I, there's a reason not to keep pushing it because I have hope that there's something valuable in this thing of life and I don't, I don't want to waste it. And we embrace our own mortality, our ability to see um, all the changes in our lives as we grow older. Our dimming earthly eyes actually become clearer as they focus on eternity. We start to see things more clearly, like what's important. All the other things start to, to fall, uh, fall aside. Memento mori fosters that kind of vision, remembering you know, that, that we are to die. That, that gives us actually freedom. As the Apostle Paul puts it, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen, it's temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Some of the fearful unknowns about mortality have, will never fully go away. In fact, we can still feel dread when we try to wrap our head around forever. Like, what does that look like? And, and what is heaven? And, and how's that going to play out? But today, the focus of our attention, I want to break it down into three things, very just to, to kind of land our plane here. But first is a confession, second is a question, and third is a request. Think about these three things. The confession is simple. In the face of, of, of memento mori, that remembering that we're dead, our confession is, Lord, I'm worried about what I have. I'm concerned about how I look, and I'm anxious about my future. We want to confess those things to God. But then we have a practical question. Lord, how shall I live today in light of spending eternity with you? How should I live out my faith? How should I live out my recovery? How should I carry the message to others? Because I know I have forever with you. What does that look like? What does that empower me to do today? What freedom is there in that today? And then we have a request. Lord, help me to see what is truly important so I can do what's most important in your sight. The steps help us to do that. We start to see what's important, what's not important. We start to see how we focused on things that, that took away our, our, our focus from family and relationships. Um, we, we see that, you know, we ask for, uh, in the 11th step, the knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. We're, we're trying to, to make every day count, living one day at a time. Living one day at a time, that, that recovery, recovery concept is such a powerful way to stare memento mori right in the eyes and say, I remember I'm, I'm gonna, I must die, so therefore I'm going to live today. Because I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm going to put as much in today as I can. I'm going to carry the message. I'm going to give hope. I'm going to share love. I'm going to extend forgiveness as much as I can today. That's how I think we start to live that full life. As we put those, those day-tight compartments, one after another after another, as we build those up, we start to have this life 
There's life that in death we can look back and, and say, we left it all out on the field. We did everything we could. We really, we put it out there and we really made a difference. This Easter season, this Easter celebration, as you experience the world around you, the hope is that you would consider the day of your death. We trust that the, the theme, Memento Mori, will lead you to new places with bright horizons. After all, what is hovering out on the horizon isn't a storm, but rather the throng of saints who have gone before us, waiting to welcome us in to eternity. We are not alone, and there are others that, that are, are waiting and welcoming us. We don't need to hurry the journey, but know that it's not the dark abyss that waits for us. And as people of faith, the truth is the church is made for this resurrection life and to give ourselves away in love and to our neighbors, to be empowered by the fact that when we die, we are resurrected, that we can live a resurrected life today, that we can live that one day at a time, fill the day as much as we can today. The Easter mystery that we, that we want to solve is when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they die. Even in death, we live. It's how we were made. So be empowered today to know that when you live as if you know that you're dying, you pack so much into the stream of life that you will hardly worry on that final day when God calls you to be home with him, as it says in that song, Amazing Grace. He will be pleased. And God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Help us to live lives like that. Help us to embrace the memento mori spirit of knowing that we will die so that we live life in such a way that we leave no doubt of what our future holds. Be encouraged this Easter. I thank you for coming along with us for this Studio RC, uh, just special mini-series. Hopefully it got you ready and got you excited about Easter. And I just encourage you today. We do encourage you with Studio RC. Be sure you like it, subscribe to it, um, share it with friends. Uh, it gets the word out. And the truth is, it gives people hope. It gives people encouragement. And the further this word spreads, the more that God can do in and through it. So we thank you for joining us. We encourage you a happy Resurrection Day, a happy Easter. He is alive. He is alive indeed. Recovery Church, 12 steps, one goal. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,